Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Scipio. The number one challenge every salesperson faces right now is how to have more conversations with more potential customers and land more appointments. And that's why you've got to go check out Scipio today. I've had too many sales leaders tell me how Scipio has transformed their ability to make contact with customers faster and easier than ever before that I had to go check them out myself. Salespeople using Scipio see a 5x improvement in landing appointments and a 40% lift in show rates. And that means more conversations, which we all know means more sales. Listen, everything has changed in the last year. And that means the way you connect with customers needs to change too. Scipio has the best automated texting platform for building personalized relationships at scale that I have ever seen. But don't take my word for it. Head over to Scipio at Scipio.com and use the code SPRINGFREE for one month on the plan of your choice courtesy of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Again, that's Scipio, S-K-I-P-I-O dot com and use SPRINGFREE to find out just how good a modern messaging platform can be. The Sales Leadership Podcast is also brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. We're all facing new challenges, and if you need someone to talk shop with, I've got you. If you want to become an elite, legendary sales leader for the team you lead, hit me up. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we're joined by someone that I've been trying to get on the show for over two years, Amy Slater. She's one of the top sales leaders I've followed for a number of years now. She's worked with some of the greatest technology companies in the world, companies like AT&T, Cable and Wireless, Cisco, Salesforce, and several others have all benefited from Amy's leadership and impact. Today, Amy's with Palo Alto Networks as the Global Vice President of Go-To-Market for Internet Security Services after a stellar stint as VP of Sales. Palo Alto Networks is the fastest growing security company in the world, and Amy understands how to take what the market gives, and then some, and do it at scale. Now, in addition to helping lead one of the most successful sales teams in the world, Amy's a successful author, she's spoken at some of the biggest and most important conferences in the world, and she's also mentored countless salespeople in all aspects of the sales world. Listen, you're going to hear it. She's passionate about the development of salespeople. She's become one of those legendary leaders that's influenced thousands of careers. And I am pumped to have her join me today as we talk about a topic that's never been more important than it is right now. Amy, welcome to the show and thanks for joining us. Thank you. And you know, what, uh, what an introduction. I am so uh, honored and humbled uh, with your remarks. So thank you. So you caught me. After <laughs> years, you finally, you finally did all but tackle me. So I'm really excited to be here. Sorry it's taken so long. No, this is like a lesson in sales, man. Persistence pays off, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and so thank you. I'm, I'm really excited. We, we're going to talk about some important things. And probably we've we got thousands of people around the world that are listening to us right now. 
And uh, many will already know who you are and be excited for what you have to say. Some you may be new to. I'm wondering if you can just introduce Palo Alto Networks first at a high level, what you do for your customers. And then maybe if we get into how you got into sales just quickly so we can kind of let people know who you are and where you're coming from. Sure. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So uh, it's a pleasure, pleasure to be here. And uh, Palo Alto Networks uh, really is never, it's never been a more a critical time uh, for what we do at Palo Alto Networks, which is cybersecurity. And essentially, to, to keep it really simple, we're trying to keep away the bad guys, what we call the bad actors, you know, protecting all aspects, you know, of your network, of your data, um, from, the, from the internet edge, from your uh, data centers, um, in the cloud, for those of you that have uh, experience in cloud technology. We just hit our uh, 10,000 employee mark. Um, wow. So really exciting uh, global growth across our company. And, you know, when you see the impact that cybersecurity attacks has on our global economy and our global well-being, um, they're happening, you know, every day, every minute. And so it's really our job to protect all of you uh, through our engagements with our global customers. Um, well, so that's, thank you for what you do to protect us. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We're, 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 you know, we're here to serve in that regard. And, uh, so then you asked, uh, how did I get into sales? Kind of what was Yeah, my- hardly anybody says, I'm going to be in sales when I grow up. That's changing oh, yeah. a little bit. But, you know, back when I grew up, it was like, I'm going to be a baseball player for the Dodgers. Yeah, I, I was, I had intended to be a lawyer. And okay. then I spent a summer in a law firm as an intern and decided, no, that's not what I want. But I didn't then say, okay, I'll be in sales. Um, I always knew that there was some some tug at my, you know, my shirt saying, I want to lead people. I want to be in some kind of management is inspired by my father, who was an executive leader in the, in the food industry. Um, but I really didn't know what that meant. And so, you know, I started a job. I was, it started in a, a, a retail management buying program. It was a management training. So I, I knew I wanted to be in management. So I started there and then I knew I didn't want to be in retail. Um, and so I just sort of stumbled upon it. I, um, went to work for a, a temp agency when those temp agencies existed and went from company to company doing just sort of contracting work. And I was at a small software startup in the day in San Francisco. And they said, would you like to be a sales associate? I thought, what's that? What's a sales associate? And it was technology that was long before its time. It was almost what predated cloud technology was leveraging. It's when CD-ROMs Anyone knows what that is? If you're too young to know, I remember those little, those little discs <laughs> yes. that look yes. like the DVD. That's pretty much a dinosaur too. Yep. And we were leveraging CD-ROM technology to store information and to prevent having to keep documentation in stores that were selling software. And it ultimately went bankrupt. So I had the pleasure of going through a bankrupt company by the age of 23. And then I just thought, where are where is the pulse? of the world going, what kinds of industries and telecommunications was, 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 you know, was growing and AT&T was broken up and all of these t- telecommunications companies came up. So I just started to do some research and said, all right, I had a friend at the gym and she said, Oh, I, I work here. You ought to go talk to talk to cable and wireless. One thing led to another, I was selling long distance. So kid you not, I used to say I was a telecommunications consultant at the age of 23 and we were selling fractions of minutes for pennies. And so 
there was this kind of like you said, no one kind of wakes up and says, I'm going to be in sales. There was sort of this shame associated mm-hmm. with being in sales. And I actually see some of that today on LinkedIn when I see people that have worked for me and they're a business development rep. And on their profile, it says that they are a cybersecurity consultant. They just graduated from college, that they're somehow embarrassed or ashamed. And you think that a, a security officer isn't going to know that you just graduated college, that you're probably an entry-level position. It's okay. It's okay. Be human. We're all human. And that's a lot of what we're going to talk about today. I love it. Thank you for sharing a little bit about your story. I, 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 I've heard you speak at a number of conferences. We've spoken at places at the same time. And, and, and I really respect what you've done and what you've accomplished. And, and that's why I think you're the perfect person to have this conversation. So, so let's just, let's jump right to it. You know, when the pandemic hit, there was a ton of talk as people like were saying, what do we do? How do we go into crisis management mode first? And then maybe we get into crisis recovery mode at some point. There was all this talk about, you know, um, empathy. And, and, and I think that it created what I was calling fake empathy. They were using it as, hey, I trust hope all's well. And it's like, who are you? You know, and, and people were talking about salesperson and prospect having to have that empathy. I didn't hear as much about leader with salesperson early on, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the last 18 months, they've taken a toll on people. They, they have taken a toll. And so personally, I think it's more important than ever to be connected to the whole person and not just the salesperson. But I'm really interested in your take as you do, you lead this big team and you mentor people and companies all over the place. How, how has the importance, let's talk about this first. How has the importance of this emotional intelligence changed as it relates between sales leader and salesperson? It's more important than ever. I Why? think that what, what has happened is because we've all been you know, uh, sequestered in our homes for all of this time, that that accidental human connection goes away. You don't, you're not running into your reps in the break room or you're having your connection or seeing them out at a customer meeting. And you might, if you're in a field sales role, you're bringing some people along with you. Your boss may come with you to a meeting and then you have a chance to break it down afterwards and talk about what worked and what didn't and rah, rah, and you did a great job or here's some, you had some, Real-time coaching opportunities, not only about just the work you're doing, but then, hey, how's the family? What's going on? How's it going? Let's go play golf. Whatever. Those those were things that we took for granted as leaders uh, and, and certainly as sales leaders. You took for granted that catch in the hallway. Let's go grab a burger. Let's go have some lunch. Do you have 30 minutes? I used to have people all the time. I always kept my door open unless I was on a call. And they'd say, hey, do you have a few minutes? Sure. You missed the drive-by, the, you know, the drive-by conversations where people, I had some other, some of the reps would come in super early. I was always in the office early and they'd come by around seven in the morning just to say, hi, sit down at the desk, you know, at the table in my office. We'd have a little 15 minute chit chat. How are you doing? What's going on? Et cetera. So those were just these gems of opportunities that people took for granted. So how do you replicate that over Zoom? People are exhausted. They're tired on Zoom. Their their families are there. Their roommates are there. You have no idea because, and I, and I said this in another conversation I had with someone, is that no other time 
are we entering each other's homes to do work? And so it's so important because we, we have to manufacture this spontaneous connection. I like that. I want to talk about that for a second. That's something that I didn't think about. I was just thinking as I was thinking about what we're going to talk about today, we got to manufacture the spontaneous connection. That's really well said. And you're right. Lots of people I've talked to have said, Hey, we missed the, Hey, bump into you at the coffee, uh, the break room or go have a beer after, after work or whatever. Uh, people have talked about that. How do you do that? I mean, I'm glad you brought it up because that's gotta be one of those things that's easier said than done. It's gotta be really intentional, right? Well, it is because at the end of the day, you have to still have to schedule it. So I joked with someone the other day, uh, I was doing a mentor conversation with uh, an intern at Palo Alto and she's a planner. And I laughed. I said, yes, I'm a planner too. I said, I have to plan spontaneity. And that's such a, that's so funny. It's so funny. Yeah. I mean, it's like spontaneous means by definition, it wasn't planned. It wasn't planned. Yeah. (laughs) So I put time in my calendar to be spontaneous. And so that's sort of what you have to do with these connections. And so some of the things that, you know, we've done and been encouraged to do is you might just say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to be on zoom for an hour. Stop by. If you have something you want to chat about, do you want to have a cup of coffee? I'll people will schedule coffee break. Hey, do you have time to do you know, have a coffee break with me? You have to schedule it, but it's in there and it's 15 minutes or might say, you, do you have time for a walk this afternoon? And we might put our earphones in and go take a walk and talk. Um, when it, th- it became sort of safer to go out, I had a, a rep and she would come and we would go take a physical walk together and just connect, do a one-on-one, just walking together with our masks on and just be outdoors, enjoy some outdoors time. So you had to be creative. I know a lot of companies, ours included, you started out by doing the team happy hour, you know, the team, the, the team, you know, wine tasting, which was great. Those were super fun things, but you couldn't do that. You can't sustain that for 18 months. Right. I mean, so that's the hard part. I think does the, like, I love the idea of being planned spontaneity, um, but does it create a different kind of grind? If you're like trying to say, how do I, create the spontaneity is it hard to sustain it is it's very hard to sustain and you know one thing we did at palto networks which i think was great is we created these sort of connection groups and a number of different leaders we had these connection groups that met every two weeks and people from all different parts of the company would come together we just talk about what was going on how is this what is the impact to you how's it feeling things like that and over time it started to wear down some other things that i have found to be useful is I would also just randomly just pick up the phone and call somebody on the phone, Mm. random. I I would sort of block my own hour where I would make reach out phone calls. Just call them. Hey, what's going on? Just, and and you had to change the language because just checking in or how are you? Those things get old. What are you doing to, to keep yourself motivated? What are you doing with your family? Are you, I hope you're spending some time outside. Please make sure that you're blocking in time on your calendar for your own personal well-being because that matters. So because we're fine, what we have found is that the tendency uh, is to, oh, for these especially motivated people, is to overwork. 
And because you're right there right now. And I I was on the phone with my daughter just, you know, a few minutes ago. She says, oh, and I worked till 10 o'clock last night. Yeah. Yeah, because it's there. It's it's there and you can. And so really encouraging that flexibility in in schedule. But I think you're right that you want to have that. It has to be authentic and genuine. That's why plan spontaneity can be difficult because, oh, I'm in the calendar. But the critical piece of that is that there are other ways to show that you care. Make sure you make every meeting that you have, especially one-on-ones. You know, don't miss them. Don't keep pushing them out. Sometimes you have, you can't help it, but always reschedule them. Always make sure that someone feels valued. Even if you say, you know what, my schedule is jammed. Is there something, you know, that's top of mind for you right now? I can make it in the, at the end of the day, 15 minutes. Just, it's those little touches that they just go so far. So let's talk about that. Let's, let's dive into that one because that's one of the things I was really interested to get your take on is has coaching changed? I mean, has, is how the way you coach, is it, is it changed? Has it changed a lot? Is it a nuance? Is it still the same? I mean, we got all these sales leaders and, and coaching always comes up when we talk on the show. I mean, it always comes up mm-hmm. and um, more often than not reps say that the coaching they get isn't that great before the pandemic it, it, it's hasn't changed post pandemic. The, the studies are still showing that reps are saying it's still not that great. Uh, and so any thoughts on, on what makes for that to be good? I mean, you're an expert at coaching. You have people reaching out to you, asking you to mentor them. What are some things you can share with the sales leaders that are listening to right now on how can you make the way you coach be something that they look forward to rather than they say, Oh my gosh, I got to go to another one-on-one. Mm-hmm. I think, and, and this is what I have learned over time. And these are, this is guidance that has come to me. I didn't sort of make it up, but it's, it's a matter of, can you live it? Right. So uh, in a number of companies where I've been, when we talk about coaching um, is separate a one-on-one that's a pipeline review from a one-on-one that's coaching or one-on-one that's career development and discussion. Don't mix them because what ultimately happens is that it always breaks down to pipeline. Talk to me about your deals, what's coming in, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, you walk through same old, same old, okay, got to run adios. And there is a, Absolute need for that. No question. But in the absence, but it's, but it's can be very um, grueling and taxing. If that's the only conversation you have with your team, have a separate one. That's about their career. What are their aspirations? Talk to me about what you like about you do, you know, what you do, where do you think, where do you see yourself in two or three years? Take the time to care <laughs> because that's people, you know, and, and research shows, and most people know this, people do not leave companies. People leave their boss. Just that you even acknowledge, you know, that you care. I mean, you know, Palo Alto Networks is doing a really great job of trying to, of, of implementing some tools for us as leaders where there are places where we can jot down notes in the, even in the HR system that says, What are the names of their children when you might first get to know? What are the names of their cats, their dogs? Because we're in their home. You know, people 
get all nervous because their dog is sitting next to them, licking them. And they are, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, I don't care. What's your dog's name? Right. But, but, like you said, it's, it's about the whole person. And now more than ever, we're exposed to the whole person. So we can, we have to acknowledge that whole person. And so I think the part about coaching is be explicit. This is, this session is about our pipeline. This session is about your goals and, you know, not only your professional goals, but what are some of your personal goals? Oh, you want, you're, you're looking to run a marathon. Great. Talk to me about that. What are you doing? It's all about being relatable. Mm. How do you relate? And there's so many great authors and sociologists and things like that. You know, Brene Brown is one of my favorites. Love her. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's all about finding those places where, you know, you're, you're, you're more vulnerable and relatable. And then part of it, and it is also about showing your own vulnerability that, you know what? I had a rough day yesterday. It doesn't mean you have to spill your guts and too much information and all that. There is a difference between sort of just being authentic and then just just going on and on and on about your own problems. It's about people want to know that they're not alone and that they, they, they say, oh, wow, really? You had, to, you had to do that too? Gosh, now I don't feel as quite as bad as I did. And, you know, so having those kinds of conversations, that's why people stay because of people. People will stay at a company for less money because of who they work for. They will stay for less money and they will, they will leave a person for less money too. I really, really like that you went into having that explicit reason. Uh, I find that very few people are doing that. It's, it's one of the things that I'm a big believer in. And it's, we didn't even talk about that. And I'm really excited that you brought that up because I found that, too often we just kind of we show up to a, a one-on-one and we just have our kind of standard agenda of like tell me how it's going or where's the pipeline to your point and it's almost like that old movie with bill murray groundhog day mm-hmm. like the same thing over and over and that's why it's easy for either the leader or the rep to say hey nothing really new to talk about i'll catch you next time right and i've always felt that if you ever say that or hear that that is a symptom that you are not making your coaching matter, right? And um, and you're you're not adding any value to the rep. Just like a salesperson, you know, their job is to connect to the objectives of a buyer, right? Mm-hmm. A leader's job is to connect to the objectives of a rep and help fuel those. I mean, I know there's all these things that what makes you a great leader or what makes you a great rep are are two different skills, but they're also more similar than people think because it's about connecting. And then helping fuel that growth. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you're one of the only people I've ever heard bring that co- concept up of a specialized. Cause usually when I talk to people about it, they're like, what are you talking about? And I have found that what you're saying leads to one on ones that people don't let you miss them. You say, Hey, we're mm-hmm. having a career development one or we're having. Maybe this one is about your pipeline. Maybe this one's about how do I get a healthy pipeline? Maybe that's all it's about is creation of a healthy pipeline. This one's going to be about what are you going to win and how are we going to help you win? This one's going to be about general performance and your skills and your network. And you can have four or five different topics that are all around. You come with your plan of what you want, and then I'll connect to it and help you get there. Mm -hmm. 
I have found that that changes things. And for you to bring that up is very interesting to me. Um, have you, how long have you been doing that? Is that something you've done just as part of the pandemic or were you kind of coaching that no, way before that? I mean, I think it's, I think whether I learned it somehow in some sales leadership training course, or it just came naturally, um, it, it's been all the time. I mean, it was pre pandemic and because it's Rob, at the end of the day, it's about, you talk about connection. It's also about engagement, being engaged in the conversation, not sort of mindlessly going through, okay, this is your pipeline. Even when you're talking about pipeline, right? Tell me, tell me a little bit more about your customer. You know, why do you think that they're going to buy from you? Or what was your dialogue like? Engage, ask questions. Don't just check the box and then scoot on to the next one. At one point, there was one time in my career when I was at Salesforce, I had 14 direct reports. And it's a lot. And I spent two days, solid days, book, you know, behind doors in an office doing my one-on-ones, two days, two full days. But it was so impactful. And then something I did learn sort of later, and it was through another person who did coaching and things, is that when you sit down to have these coaching, the coaching sessions, you might say to the person, what's top of mind to you before we get started? Tell me what's top of mind. Because they might say, my cat just died. And then you think, okay, so we're not going to have the conversation about your pipeline today. Yeah. Because this is not where your head is. Is there anything that you want to share? Is there anything that you want to share? And now I know there could be some listeners going, she's full of it. No. touchy feely, whatever. But I'm telling you, it doesn't matter your gender, your race, your classification on anything. Everybody wants to be heard. They want to be heard. They want to be cared for. So much so that there are people that have worked for me in different lifetimes and maybe not as a direct report, just part of an organization. And years later, I'm getting thank you notes. I'm getting pictures of their babies, pictures from their wedding saying, I just wanted you to know this or whatever. After this call, I have a conversation with someone who used to work in my organization who just got promoted. He wanted to share that with me, things like that, because it's about being connected and, and staying connected. And people are, oh, I don't have time for that. It's not about having time. It's about making time. All right. So I like where you're going. This is really good. I think this is really important because um, there's a lot of people listening. And you're right. There will be some saying, ah, it's too touchy. First of all, there may be and have been a time, like I think there was a time that people were like spreadsheet leadership. I think that whole being data-driven led mm-hmm. to all these spreadsheet leaders. I want to get your opinion on that in a second because I think that that will backfire right now. I think right now that is why we see things like, April's job report saying we had more turnover in April than in the last 20 years. Okay. And so I don't think this is about being touchy feely. I think this is about, like we said, connecting to the whole person. So there may be some people like I'm going to encourage people aggressively, like as as strong as I can, you need to listen to what he's talking about. This is all I do is help sales leaders coach. And when they start doing what you're saying, it's amazing how fast results change. Mm-hmm. It's super amazing how fast results change. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the relationship between this human connection and bookings and revenue and pipeline are directly aligned. 
And there are also studies, and I've read many of them, that talk about companies that have leaders with the most emotional intelligence are the, mo- are the top performing businesses in their industry. So this isn't just me, squishy, touchy-feely person yeah. talking. There's data that says the companies, when they do the surveys and things, it's the emotionally intelligent CEOs and leaders whose businesses, there's no question why they have the revenue you know, um, explosion that they do. It's because they show that caring and people will work for that person. And I think that the era that we're in, if you're not able to get at least closer, like some people may say, I can hear some like, somebody's like, I don't know if I can do that. Well, first of all, you can, right? You can, it's a skill. It's not, it's not a aptitude. It is absolutely a skill. Now, some people may be wired for that more naturally than others, but just like anything in sales, you can develop that ability. It's a leadership skill that you've got to develop. So let's talk about that for a second, Amy, if we can. I, I want to sure. go a couple layers deep on this one because I think that you're onto something really big. Mm-hmm. And so how do you get past that numbers emphasis that's inherent in the job of sales? We have all of these cultures, especially in specialized sales areas where it's about how many outbound calls or how many this or how many that we have this cadence or this rhythm that we're going in. How does a sales leader get past just the numbers emphasis and connect to that person? Because it's almost sometimes would feel like to someone that hasn't cracked that code like you have, it may feel like you have to choose one or the other. And I don't think you have to, but I'd love your perspective on how do you do that? Mm-hmm. Sure. That's a great, great question. And it's, it's really interesting because I can explicitly remember when I first joined Palo Alto Networks and I got the leadership team, my leadership team together, and we were talking about metrics and measurements and how many calls do you think we should have them do per week? How many this? And we were talking about what those were. And there was one person in the room who got visibly uncomfortable okay. with my request and adamant that we didn't need these measurements my, I trust my team, et cetera. And I said, that's great. I said, but how do we know what works and what doesn't? When we have someone who joins the team new and they say, how many calls do you think I'll need to do a day to achieve a pipeline of 4X my quota? If we don't have that data, then we can't really showcase what good is. So, we have to have the metrics and measurements. It's then how you use it. Do you penalize someone who did half the calls and they're 200% of their quota? No, you don't reprimand them. That means they don't need to make as many calls because their success rate is higher. And so you don't need to take a cookie cutter approach. You are going to have these metrics and targets that gives us a, a trend. Where are things headed? What does good look like? What does great look like? It also leads us to coaching conversations that says, you've been doing all these calls, yet your numbers don't reflect it. Let's talk about your technique. What may be going on? Or you're not doing the calls and you're not getting the numbers. And I always, I remember a a training, a leadership training where they always, they said was the C, it's commitment or competency. So I like that. So the metrics help you understand, is it that they need more training or is it their heart isn't in it? 
that's when you have the meaningful coaching conversation that says, you know, I was looking at the numbers and they're just not where they were for you a couple months ago. What's going on? Is, it, is there anything you want to share? You know, what's going on that's, that's sort of, that's caused this decline. You just don't seem that, that into it these days. What's up? It's to have that conversation, not to berate them and say, you missed your numbers again. You missed your numbers again, et cetera, et cetera. There's the place for that when it becomes repetitive and you say, we've had this conversation before, what's going on? I was never surprised when some, I, when somebody quit. Very rarely have I been surprised because they sort of know they're down the path for a performance improvement letter because they know that they're not invested. And I can tell. They'll walk into my room, into my office, and I'll say, in my head, I'm like, they're going to quit right now. Because they got uncomfortable, because they got uncomfortable and they realized that they didn't either didn't want to do the work that was required or they didn't feel like that they could. So here's what I really love about what you just said. Tell me if I'm interpreting this right, because I want I don't want to just blow past this because I think this is a really big one. Metrics are super important still because you need Mm. to have it to. Hey, we are in a metro, we are in a scoreboard business. Listen, as salespeople, we run to the scoreboard. We they push Absolutely. the more button every month, every we have quarter. To know where we stand, where do we rank? You yes. cannot get away with. You it. have to do that. You okay. have to have them. And if you don't like it, get a new, get in a different profession. Yeah. Just get exactly. in a different profession. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now the second thing is, you don't use metrics for the purpose of just like measuring effort as much or like reporting the past. You use them to see, can it help me predict the future? Mm-hmm. Can it help me know what levers? And so that's what I love about it is I think when you get in trouble with numbers is when you're spending too much time looking backward. And mm-hmm. my rule of thumb, I can't wait to hear what you think. I, my rule of thumb is you want to spend in a one-on-one only 10% of your time on what happened in the past. So I can spend 90% of my time on what do we want to do in order to make the future be shaped, whatever you want. I hate the word predictability because, I mean, I love it as a sales leader, but it's hard because you're guessing, right? I like the idea of creation. Let's shape it whatever we want to shape it as. Let's look into the future. Let's lean into action. Let's take charge of where we're going. Let's not look, well, you know, this happened and I'm sorry. So I'm really interested in your thoughts around that. Yes. And, and I like that you, the way that you frame that some ways that I have used it in, in these kinds of coaching conversations and, and I know others have it as well. So it's not anything I made up, but really to say, when you look at performance, whether it's top performance or performance that's subpar, it's the same question. What will you keep doing? What will you stop doing? And what would you do differently? So Can you say that again. Will you, yeah. will you say, I, I want our I want our listeners to really get like this is really good where you're going. Sure. What would you keep doing? What would you stop doing? And what would you do differently? Regardless like of what you described as the past outcome, you say that to the person who's 200% of plan or 20% of plan. And the 20% of plan may be I'm going to stop wasting my time calling people that have been in my tickler file, to use an old-fashioned term, for a year. I'm going to remove them. I'm going to start talking to other reps that are successful on the team to find out what their 
secrets to success are. You know, something I might do differently, you know, what have you. And so I'm going to keep showing up to work every day and I'm going to keep a positive, keep my positive mindset great. And so you can have that same conversation regardless of somebody's performance. Because the one thing that, that often happens is that your top performers get neglected. Mm. And in many times you can take a top performer, you turn them up a notch and the numbers explode even further. What happens is we let them ride because they know what they're doing. And we, we I got them. I got to go focus on this person, but to move a C level performer to a, a, an A is tough. And even to a B, it's, it's yeah. even harder. So I'm not saying neglect the C person, but if you need to get a, some big movement in your numbers, you work with those people that, that get it and make yeah. them even better because it becomes exponential. And so you, you have to, you can look at them, top performers and, and others, you can look at them in the same way and have the same conversation with them um, based, you know, and then, and then change their outcome. You can make, you can still make, you know, great sellers even better. All right. So we're down. I can't believe it, Amy. We're already at our last 10 minutes. This went faster than I thought. It's just, <laughs> it's crazy how fast time goes. I, I love everything we're talking about. So I want to start like trying to take it to a point. Let's get to a, so what let's kind of start wrapping this because I want to give you time to kind of synthesize a couple thoughts for our listeners. Um, you have, one of the first things you said was the importance of emotional intelligence is more important now than it's ever been. You gave some insights on how coaching might change. We talked a little bit about moving past the numbers. I want to go to something that I mentioned. I told you we'd come back to the April jobs report showed that there was more turnover in April than in 20 years. And there was a lot of people that predicted it. I mean, you've seen it. People call it the so-called great resignation. And it turned out that maybe there's more truth to it than people thought. What are some things that our leaders should be thinking about? Because like you said, so maybe a lot of times we will know when it's going to happen, but it also may be with the people that you don't want it to happen with, right? And so as we're coming out, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. Am I going to go back to the office? Should I go back to the office? Is there going to be another wave of this stuff that we've been dealing with in the fall? There's all these things. There's all kinds of uncertainty. Um, what should leaders be thinking about as they connect to their people in this world where emotional intelligence, it's not enough to have business intelligence. It's not enough to have sales intelligence. We got to have people or emotional intelligence. I love that's how you started it. I'd love to start kind of focusing this as there is certainly a trend of people turning over right now, maybe more than ever. How do we be prepared and maybe prevent some of that? Sure. And I've read some of the same research and I see it all the time. And there are a lot of people out there coaching and hiring and and things like that Mm -hmm. because loyalty has been challenged. Loyalty, both ways, loyalty to the individual loyalty to companies, because when you're just sitting at home, you're not going and driving in and seeing your office logo every day. You're not seeing your colleagues that you think, God, I stay here for the people. Well, what happens when you remove the people? You just have a, brand what does it say about your you have limited influence over your company's brand but i do a lot of talking around your own brand as a leader how do you show up 
Do you show up interested? Do you show up interested in the whole person? Or are you just calling and reaching out because, oh my gosh, our quarter ends tomorrow. Where's your deal, et cetera? Are you only showing up then? Or are you showing up and saying, oh my gosh, I saw you reach out and you mentored this person. Thank you so much. You're, you're such an asset. I would say not to be afraid to use words that might seem out of place in business. And I've had this conversation on multiple occasions. Why not tell someone how much you appreciate them? Mm. I end emails sometimes. I've started doing saying, not I appreciate what you've done. I will say I appreciate you. Thank you so much for being the first one to submit your report. I appreciate you. Or I am grateful that you are on our team. Because those words are have not really hit the floor, hit the walls in corporate America, to be honest. It's please and thank you. You're lucky to get, get a thank you. But in order to increase the connection for people when they are at a distance, what are some of the things that you can do? It's the language. So much of it is the language we choose. Since even things like writing a letter, writing a note. Just thought I'd drop you a personal note to say, I really appreciate you and everything you've done for our team. Thanks for going the extra mile. Or, you know, here's a $50 gift card, you know, for Uber Eats or something for you and your family. It's on me or, or whatever. When you do things that are just <coughs> off the beaten path, those are the ways that you can form connections. And quite honestly, it doesn't have to end, begin and end with this pandemic. Because in many cases, people are field sellers already and they're never, they're rarely in the office anyways. Right. And so it's how do you bridge that divide and say you matter? That prevents someone from taking that call from the recruiter. Maybe your job still is irritating you or something, but when your boss reaches out and said, says you matter, you're like, oh, well, maybe I'll just stay. Well, maybe I'm not going to go. Yeah, I think that that is such good advice. And build that into part of your leadership cadence, right? I mean, find ways to to recognize. I think here's what I, I guess I'm listening to you, and I'm sorry if I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to process it and, and turn that into what do we do about it. And I think here's what I'm thinking, Amy. Uh, again, can't wait to hear what you think. I think sometimes as sales leaders, because of the pressure we have to deliver a number. I mean, it is a big pressure. Like I've been the dude who had to report to Wall Street. I know how that feels, okay? And and I understand that problem. Because of that pressure, I think sometimes we only acknowledge or value what's happened when we get something across the finish line. Mm -hmm. And the other things along the way get devalued, maybe unintentionally. Not absolutely right. And and if we can like purposely say, I want to, to value those things because you've won before you get to the finish line, you've had all kinds of victories along the way. Right. And sometimes it might just be mental victories as, 
my cat had a problem or, you know, or whatever. I mean, cause I know, I mean, it, it, working from home all the time and having it be where I slept where I worked, like when I could go back to my office, I was so excited to go back to my office for me because like it was that four walls was it. And I was getting cabin fever, man. And that's something we never had to deal with before. Mm-hmm. And so I think if we can find a way to not just value the victory, because then you unintentionally devalue all the things along the way. Is there anything to that or am I, am I wrong? No, you're absolutely right. It's the journey in, 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 in my career. It's really been about, let's also celebrate the seemingly small victories, not just the big, and also not just the big deal. What about right. the person who sold 50 small deals and got to their number? They sold, they had 50 different customer engagements that, that won and put over the finish line versus someone over on the other side who did one or two. Right. So let's also celebrate the person who did lots of transactions to get the job done. They didn't always have the big, highest producing single deal, but that other person just got 50 new customers. So let's pay attention to that. And those often get diminished. And diminish is one of those words that you, you then unintentionally diminish the other people. And so it's just, it's about being mindful. And when I say these things, it's not to say I'm not better than anybody else. I make mistakes. I'm sure I've pissed people off and I can be aloof and those things. So it's not to say that people do this with leaders. Don't do this with malintent. Like you said, the pressure to deliver the numbers, but there's, we also have a fiduciary responsibility to our team members to shelter them from some of the heat. And so we take the heat and take it on and we deal with taking the numbers and all that. And we have to give, I think, our teams sometimes a little bit of room for them to be human. All right. That is awesome. Okay. We are, we're, we got like a cup, like four minutes, three minutes. I want to finish the way I always finish. Is there a final thought as you were to sit here? We got a lot of people listening to you right now. People are going to listen to this for a long time as they come back to the, and they binge listen to our episodes. Um, is there a final thought you have for sales leaders on how they might be able to make, just make that difference in the lives of people they lead, you know, maybe a non-negotiable or something they should think about, like how they might shift something, one or two things that as you sit here thinking, like if you do anything, do this one, maybe two things and you'll be better off as a result. Yeah, I think, I think, as I said just a few seconds ago or minutes is about being mindful of the people. And in the beginning, it's going to be uncomfortable if it's not something, it's not a muscle that you use. And so write it down. So maybe you write down, let's say you have 10 direct reports or six or seven or something, write their names down and think about, one thing you're going to do for each of them. And what might that be? I'm going to call them. I'm going to uh, recognize them for something. Find some point of recognition. A lot of it is just even about just human relationships. But I have always found that writing it down makes it happen. If you have to put it in your calendar, that's what I'll do sometimes. I'll just say, call these five people in the half hour break that I have. Use the time, call these five people, 
just want to say hi. I haven't connected with you in a while. Or if you have, if you're an upward leader and you have non-direct reports, but they're part of your organization, they'll freak out. You call them on their phone. Hey, I was just, you know, your name just crossed my head. They'll freak out thinking they did something wrong. And just say, nope, I just, you crossed my mind and I just wanted to say hi and see if there's anything top of mind. Just checking in, just want to say hi. And smatter that throughout your calendar, call these people. That's sort of one thing that might make a difference. These, these, like you said, sort of these small, small victories. Start recognizing small victories. What might some of those be in your own business? All right. We're out of time. I still want to get really fast. So this has to be rapid fire because I don't want to shortchange our listeners. I'm sure okay. they'll be interested. We, we end every episode with the same three questions. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Number one, biggest sales leadership challenge you see today and a suggestion on how to beat it. May, uh, retention. Retention of top talent. And you've already talked about what you think. Show about you care. Yep. Show yep. You care. Love it. Number two, when you're hiring teams and building teams, and you've done this a lot, is there a go-to interview question or topic that you like to lean on? And what is it you're looking for when you leverage that? I ask them how other people would describe them. It's good. And I'm looking for self-awareness. Okay. That takes to number three. We found that the great leaders are also usually never done in their journey of learning. Readers are, are very often le- uh, leaders are very often leader readers. Sorry, I keep getting it mixed up. Uh, do you have a book or something like that? That maybe I don't care if it's a book or an audible or a podcast or a blog. Is there something you would suggest to our leaders or that they're listening that they start to follow or read or consume? A book that I give every person that. Uh, every manager, when they come and work for me, a book I always give them is called The Four Agreements. Love it. As you know, and life lessons. And because you can use all four of these things as a leader, and it's a great language to use when you're leading your teams. Okay. How do they get more of you, Amy? There's a lot of people that are going to be excited about what you had to say. How do they follow you? How do they pick up what you're putting down? How do they connect with you or learn more about Palo Alto Networks? Any of that. How how do they get more of you? I'd say the easiest way to get more of of this, if you want, is to connect with me on LinkedIn, Amy Slater at Palo Alto Networks. Uh, Certainly paloaltonetworks.com. We also have Palo Alto Networks on LinkedIn. Um, those are the best ways that you can find me. You can also, fortunately, you can Google me and you can find more than you ever care. That has a lot of my talks. You could go to YouTube uh, and type in my name. And there are a number of my talks that I have done at LinkedIn and such uh, companies like that. Amy, you're the greatest. This was fantastic. I really appreciate uh, you joining us today. She's Amy Slater. She's, she's, helping leaders all around the world create better impact with the people that they lead. She's influenced thousands of sales careers over a terrific career. Uh, And she's given us the opportunity to share a few of her insights so you can do the same with the people you lead. So Amy, thank you so much for joining us. And as I say to everyone, happy selling. Thanks, Rob. Okay, Brian, this is the Amy Slater. So what on my mark three, Two and one. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, 
Why did that conversation even matter? But first, I got to thank my friends at Scipio for their support of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Listen, Scipio is the first sponsor I've ever agreed to take, and it's for a really good reason. It's because texting is one of the last platforms that isn't burned yet, and it's one of the last ones where you can really differentiate how you engage your customers. And I'm all in on Scipio's mission of getting texting right. I've really dug into their product, and I love it. Since we've started this partnership with Scipio, I've had several sales managers hit me up and tell me just how much they like the Scipio platform, its simplicity, its powerful features, and the impact that happens when you get texting done right makes this tool a no-brainer for the modern salesperson. Listen, not all texting platforms are created equal. If you're looking to engage more with your clients and also working to get more prospects to your demos and discovery meetings, then you got to start using Scipio. Scipio's platform is the most powerful, most personal one I've ever seen. It's just that simple. I know the team personally, and I know they'll give you an amazing experience. Take advantage of a free month with no strings, compliments of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Head to Scipio.com, tell them I sent you by using the code ROB in the sign-up page. You're going to love it. Pick your plan, put in the code name ROB, and watch it go to zero. Then have some fun finding out what happens when you get texting done right. Prepare to get blown away by how quickly the right texting platform can change the game for the members of your team. Now, the only other advertisement I ever do on this show is my company, the Jepson Performance Group. And if you're like most sales leaders, you've been left to figure out your leadership system on your own. And if you're getting tired of that, you need to hit me up. Because while there's no shortcuts to success, there's no doubt you can get there faster if you take the most direct route. And if you liked the content of this podcast, you're going to love the content in my community for sales leaders, Sales Leadership United. Think of it like a Home Depot for sales leaders. It's got my very best content, over a 100 hours of training materials. You can find everything you need in Sales Leadership United. And if you've never had a coach in your corner, now is a great time to give it a try. There is a reason the greatest performance in the world in every discipline invests in themselves. Listen, if you haven't figured it out yet, your most precious resource is your time. And small improvements create disproportionate results in both sales and sales leadership. And if using a coach can help you win just a little more and just a little faster, the results you get from it is massive. So if you want to find those small advantages that create massive results, hit me up today. Amy, I am so glad you joined me on the show this week. I'm a huge fan of Amy. She's one of the very best in the business right now. And she's someone that I've learned a lot from as a leader. I absolutely love her perspective around how leaders need to find ways to reconnect to the individual members of the team. This is a big deal. I work with sales leaders all over the place, and this is a big, big topic. The turnover problem that's starting to emerge is not like a bunch of hype. It's not fake news. It's very real. I'm helping leaders deal with it left and right right now. And the most important, best way to, to get there is to have connections that people can count on and trust and rely on so you avoid that turnover problem that so many people are having. And, you know, I, I, I don't have to itemize all the way that the sales job has changed in the last 18 months. It's been discussed ad nauseum. We don't need to continue to revisit it. But I'm going to say this. Connection trust is a big deal. You know, there are three kinds of trust, and connection trust is one of them. Um, I call it, we call them the three C's of trust. And, and the definition of connection trust is when the members of your team trust that the leader 
IEU, has their best interest in mind, that they really know you're looking out for them. This is a big deal, right? I mean, that that always was important, but I think this one's becoming more important than even competency trust of can you do the job because there's so much change happening they got to know that you got their back. They got to know that you have their interests in mind. And this can't happen unless you're intentional about how you continue to build this connection. And I'm telling you, this is a really important episode. Amy is dead on. She has a really great perspective on this. Part of it's because she's been in the game and she's worked with a number of organizations. Part of it's because she's in a large organization and she gets to see it happen with a lot of people now. And part of it is she's just got... A lot of involvement, a lot of different places as a mentor and as she's doing a lot of work. And so she's seeing this firsthand. And so I love the great thoughts she shared about how we can create connection by being relatable. And if you've listened to the show very long, you've heard many of my leadership laws. And one of my favorite ones is you got to connect before you correct. So Amy's advice is just so timely right now because the April jobs report showed more turnover in any month in the last 20 years. Salespeople are making changes right now. And as leaders, we've got to be a stabilizing force that keeps the members of our team connected to the organization. Um, You know, that stability is like, I'm thinking of one of the leaders that I coach. Uh, Our word of the quarter probably is stability. Everything we're talking about is how do we create the stabilizing force? And I don't think that's unique to just a couple of people that I'm working with. I I think that that's showing up more and more and more. And our ability to connect is going to be more important now than it's ever been. And that's with all of them. It's not just... It's not just the underperformers. It's not just the new ones. It's your top performers. It's your middle performers. It's your bottom performers. They all need a connection with their leader. So double down on how you connect. Many of the traditional tools are no longer available or they're available in different ways. So that's why you've got to do things that Amy suggested like plan spontaneity. Ask what the dog's name is. Care about new things and different things than you have in the past. Spend more time on the non-business side of the person because EQ matters more than it ever has. So you need to make sure that right now this is something you focus on. And Amy gives a great blueprint and some great insights that you can go back and pay great attention to. And as I went back and listened to her comments a couple of times as I was getting ready to release this, this podcast, I like how she talks about the importance of really paying attention to how you show up as a leader. Right. And what does that mean? It's like, how do you create influence? Uh, Do they know that you appreciate them more than just what they produce? Uh, I love how she talked about appreciating the person, not just their contribution. That might be my favorite, my favorite takeaway from this podcast episode. And so you should ask yourself that. Do the members of your team know, and I mean, really know that they're appreciated. Do they know they have a leader that sees the discretionary efforts? I'm going to use Amy's words here. Do the members of your team know they matter? Make sure they do. Remove all doubt. Don't de, you know, don't devalue the victories along the way by only appreciating the wins, okay? But make sure about that. Recognize, celebrate. Make sure that you're a difference maker in helping them know they're appreciated, they're valued, and maybe most of all that you know they're capable of contributing more than they might even think possible. Amy, thank you so much for joining me today. This topic is such an important one. It's more important than it's ever been. 
I love this approach of stopping checking the boxes and instead really connecting with the people. And while it may sound like an, only a small marginal change, uh, it is intentional and it is important and will create disproportionate results if we choose to put that in place. So Amy, thank you. I love your insights. I love your authenticity and I'm so appreciative. I appreciate you. Thanks for sending such import, sharing such important insights to our leaders around the world. Thanks also to my friends at Scipio. If you haven't done so already, make sure you head over to Scipio.com and take advantage of their free 30-day trial by using their tool for yourself. Go to the sign-up link, enter the code ROB, and start communicating with your prospects the way they want to be communicated with. You'll get results faster than you may have thought possible. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. If you like this episode, please give us a five-star review on iTunes. It goes a long way in introducing more people to the show and helping me get the best guests in the world to join me. And with that, I encourage you to be elite, choose to live strong, and above all, chase your passions. And don't worry, just execute, because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.